Do you feel like your coworkers are always overstepping their bounds? If you want to set up a few boundaries to make your workplace environment more productive and more pleasant, this episode is for you. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here again with Miranda Marquit. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm talking today about relationships in the workplace, especially ones that can be damaging, uh, toxic, bullying, um, bosses who overstep their bounds and ask you to do things well beyond what you should be doing in your job. The, the whole job description thing, you got to be flexible sometimes, and you got to go above and beyond your expectations, but sometimes people ask a little too much of you, unreasonable or just unpleasant in the workplace. Yeah, and that's one of the big issues. Corporate culture expert David Maxfield says that 96% of American employees experience bullying in the workplace. When I read that, I thought that seemed really high to me. That is high, yeah. And I wonder, I, I mean, I'm sure many of our listeners have experienced some sort of bullying in the workplace or at least some sort of harassment or, or some sort of toxic environment. And he, found, he said there are three main types of categories. And once you start reading these categories, you start to think, oh, okay, I guess maybe that 96% makes a little more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the first category that he talks about in this study is how a coworker or perhaps a supervisor will sabotage other people's work or reputations. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, the whole idea of sabotage or and I, I guess this falls under when you're talking about work or reputation specifically, I guess this falls under the idea of gossip. When you start thinking of experiencing gossip and being the victim of gossip, then then I just wonder if like why that number is a isn't a one hundred percent. I mean, really. I wonder if there's perhaps malicious gossip that's designed to hurt someone's reputation, and then there's just kind of passive gossip, which is people you know just talking about other people because they have nothing better to do. I think the sabotage, you know, this idea that the workplace is competitive and there's only enough resources, whether it's, you know, raises or promotions to go around and people feel competitive and they express that in a way that they're bringing other people down in order to set themselves up for any benefits that might come down the road. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the big things that so often we see our workplace environment, our career ladder, whatever it is, as a zero-sum game, as if, you know, if somebody else is advancing, I'm not. They're keeping me down. And so if I want to advance, I have to start keeping other people down. And once you start developing that sort of environment, and we talked about this in the past, uh, it can be contagious and cause serious problems. It sort of gets out of control. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that that uh, the survey shows that 62% um, of people see sabotage 
actively in the workplace. And, you know, if you're not the type of person to respond well to that, and I think, you know, one of the things we can try to do is is build up some resistance to sabotage that can really be harmful. Because a lot of the times the supervisor who might have the control over the resources will not know some of the behaviors that are happening at the lower level and don't and can't detect whether sabotage is taking place or not. Yeah, and that can be a serious issue. But what I thought was interesting on on top of the sabotage, especially since, of course, if you're sabotaging the company, you're all going down with it unless <laughs> un- unless you're the sort of person who sabotages, makes themselves look good and then jumps ship before things go bad, which is a completely different conversation. But one of the things I found interesting was that 52% saw browbeating, threats or intimidation, and I thought that was fascinating because Going back to what you said earlier about passive kind of gossip or passive sabotage, I thought it was interesting that more than half of the people surveyed actually saw these overt forms of bullying. Yeah. You know, this doesn't go away in middle school. Bullying is something that we all have to deal with in life. In fact, you know, perhaps, you know, in these formative years when we're exposed to playground bullies and school bullies, it's really setting us up for how to deal with um, the fact that there are bullies in real life as well. They're not interested in, you know, giving you, kicking your knees and taking your lunch money. It's more of... um, emotional bullying and physical threats and not necessarily, you know, actual physical violence, at least not in the workplace. I thought browbeating is probably the one that most of us see the most of. And, And as adults, we really do have to learn how to navigate that. And this sort of browbeating goes back to, well, is your boss asking you to do more than you think you should be? Are you, do you feel like you're being forced into a situation or forced to do more than you want to do or forced to be do something, doing something that you don't want to do that somebody else is getting credit for. There's a lot that goes into that browbeating, I think. Yeah, browbeating can be very subtle too. It's very hard to say no to your boss because they are they they are giving you they they're the source of everything that you need in order to live in terms of your your income that provides for your family or for yourself. So when a boss asks you to do something, they know um, that. Uh, there's a good chance of you saying yes, even though they, you may not want to do it. They take advantage of the fact that they're in a position of power and they hold the key to your future, um, at least at that company, or even through recommendations for other companies if you seek employment elsewhere. And even when that isn't so overt, the idea that there's an organization, a company that has a set of goals, and people are often encouraged to follow the mission and go well above and beyond what's necessary for the job. And there's a lot of reasons that you should want to do that, but there's a lot of reasons that you need to put boundaries on that as well. Yeah, and I think that boundary setting is one of the keys to learning to advocate for yourself and ultimately become more successful as you navigate the minefield that is adulting at work. Yeah, and sometimes you can be respected more in the workplace if you do say no to certain requests or just set up a guideline for yourself in terms of what you will or won't do for the job. You know, I'm finding this personally as I work for a nonprofit organization. I'm sure they would love for me to just 
take everything over, take on all of the responsibilities, do everything, you know, fill my entire day up with things that I could be doing for this organization. And there are certainly more than enough things that I can be doing to fill up 24 hours a day. It is a small organization doing big things, and they need someone to do a lot of this work. I have to put a limit on myself so that I don't just do all of it because it's all stuff that I enjoy doing for the most part. And I see the benefits directly um, in terms of how the organization grows. You know, I have spoken to other people about this in the organization and I say, these these are my limits right now. I cannot go beyond this because of such and such. I have other things that I need to do, etc. There are other things going on in my life, like trying to find a new place to live. And so I have to set these limits not so much to, you know, tell people that there are certain things I can't do, but to keep myself from just going off and doing those things anyway, because I know I can. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And that brings us to questions of how to advocate for yourself at work. And I think one of your first things that you mentioned was when you said you're setting boundaries and you were talking to them about what you can and cannot do and putting a limit on how much this is going to invade your the rest of your life. I think that's one of the first things is to know yourself, to know your strength, own those things, and then, and then be honest with the people that you're working with, uh, whether it's your boss, whether it's somebody you're volunteering with, or whether it's a coworker. You know, know who you are and know where your limits are so that you can articulate those a little bit better. Yeah. And along those lines, you want to create a good working relationship with uh, especially your supervisors, your bosses, those people who, who do have the say. I mean, perhaps they're the ones who are intimidating you, but you do have to find someone that you can relate to and you relate to them on their level. So if they're a level above you, be ready to speak to them the way they do their jobs and not necessarily the way you do your job, because it does put you up on their level a little bit. It gives you an opportunity to speak to them on a, on a more open basis, which a, a boss talking to someone under them might not reveal all the information necessary because they feel, well, it's you know a need-to-know basis. All I need to do is tell you what you need to do, and you do what you need to do. But if you create a relationship with them where you can speak on a more less formal basis, they will be able to open up to you a little bit more and you'll be able to have these discussions about what you see as your role, what type of things you're willing to do and what type of things you can say no to. And when you create that kind of relationship, uh, your supervisor is more likely to understand where you're coming from and accept the fact that you are putting limits on what you're doing and also even respect you as a, as an employee more. Oh yeah, for sure. And part of that too is understanding your priorities and knowing what's most important in your job, Uh, know what your job entails and know what the priorities are for your supervisors and for their supervisors, what's most important to them. Because sometimes uh, when you're getting piled on with all this work, If you don't know what's most important, what you should be doing first, you could get caught up in something that's really not that, that just really doesn't matter that much. And then that can get you burned in the end if if you've let a priority slip because you don't know how to set those boundaries. So understand the priorities, know what's most important in your job, make sure you're doing that. Uh, Because sometimes you can't make every meeting, sometimes you can't do everything. And one of the things I am learning is that sometimes you need to ask for help. And this is something I struggle with for many reasons, I'm sure. 
But one of the things I'm learning is that being an adult doesn't mean that you do everything on your own and it doesn't mean that you have to try and be everything. You can ask for help and you can delegate and you can say, hey, I don't know that I can handle this. Uh, can you help me, please? And that's not weakness. Uh, a lot of the time we think that's weakness or we think that we're not being responsible or we're not being a true adult when we ask for help. But that is not true. Uh, adulting is about recognizing when you need help and then asking for it and then being gracious when you get it. Yeah. And one of the things that allows bullies to continue their behavior. And there's one other aspect of that behavior that we didn't talk about yet, and that's physical intimidation of assault, of, of getting physically reprimanded for work. And there's only 4% have seen this, according to the survey that we discussed at the top of the episode. Uh, but it's still something that we need to discuss. And in addition to that, you could be enabling the situation with bullies in the office. Just like as a kid with bullies, they're allowed to continue doing what they're doing because their victims enable the situation. And this can extend further into uh, something that we didn't talk about at the top of the show uh, when we were talking about the survey. 4% of those responding to the survey saw actual physical intimidation of assault. And that drives fear. Fear is a bad situation. It's dangerous in the workplace because you're unable to work comfortably and do your best if you're living under fear, especially fear of being physically harmed. And it could be that you're enabling this and other behaviors. So one way, first of all, to deal with this is to see if you are acting in such a way that would allow a bully to believe that they could take advantage of you. And sticking up for yourself and advocating is one of the things that will stop bullies from picking you out as a victim. But also seeing that behavior elsewhere in the company, in your workplace, or wherever you happen to be, and sticking up for people that you see as other victims as well. Once you start sticking up for other people, it'll be easier to stick up for yourself, and you might be able to avoid the situation more. That's one benefit, plus the bully will also refrain from uh, intimidating the person you're sticking up for as well, because they see people are on their side. A lot of the time, bullies thrive on this idea that they can intimidate everybody or intimidate you one at a time. And when you are able to stand up to them, they don't know how to respond to that. And it's easier for them to back down and it's easier for people to kind of band together and, and they'll be less likely if there are more people together. And one of the things too is when you stand up for yourself and then when you take the next step and stand up for somebody else, uh, everybody who sees that gains heart and gains courage. We've talked about how toxic behaviors can be contagious in a workplace environment. Well, so can these great courageous behaviors. So if you are not willing to stand for bullying, if you're not willing to stand for this type of intimidation, and if you're willing to kind of set reasonable boundaries, people around you see that and they see that positivity, they'll start responding the same way and they'll join in. And then you, you can start changing the culture of the environment and you can stop enabling the bullies. And, you know, even if they don't change change, at least they'll see that they can't keep moving forward with these sorts of behaviors and that they will have no choice but to change or cooperate better because they won't have much of a choice because everybody else is is committed to behaving in this better way. 
What we're talking about today is not easy. I said a little bit earlier, you're operating under fear. And anytime that a leader uses fear, or your boss uses fear, it might not be such a good leader, uh, to intimidate others into doing what needs to be done, this is a toxic environment that we have to avoid. And it makes it difficult to stand up for yourself. So that, the, that's when it's most important. When it's most difficult is when it's most important. Yeah. And that's, I think, the key there is doing these difficult things. And I think that's right there is is the key to kind of becoming more yourself and becoming more comfortable with yourself and becoming more of an adult is saying, okay, this is hard and this is challenging and I don't want to do it, but somebody needs to do it and I'm going to be that person. Well, so what are some of the subtle ways that bullies can make the environment difficult for other people to thrive. We talked a little bit about gossiping. Um, I like this example in, in an article from Christine Comiford on Forbes. There's a bully who constantly interrupts and just prevents other people from speaking. I think uh, that is a major issue, and it's subtle. You may not even realize that it's bullying, but if you're, if you're in a meeting and you're speaking or if you're just having a conversation, there could be one person who's always interrupting the other, one person who's not listening. And so that's one particular thing that I think can be eliminated if we figure out a plan to deal with it. Yeah, I like that point about interrupting. A lot of the time we don't, we don't think about that as a huge behavior. Another example that we saw from, from the article that involved uh, David Maxfield he mentions sarcasm and irony. He says, Silicon Valley has masters of sarcasm and irony. He is observing that cruel jokes can feel like a punch to the gut. So sometimes it's things that people are like, they say something mean, but then they're, you know, it's that whole, oh, JK thing that we use. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, we're just joking. Can't you take a joke? But those things can feel very intimidating and feel very damaging. Another thing that was used in this article was the idea of education being important or having a degree that you can lord over other people and say, oh, well, look at me. I'm so qualified or I've got this great degree or I'm so fantastic. You should really listen to me. I'm better than you. That this, this sort of very subtle hierarchy that can grow up around things that really don't have much to do with your merit but are used to keep you down. What I also liked from the article I was reading here in Forbes is it describes how people do enable the bully in, again, subtle ways. For example, if there is a supervisor at the job who doesn't want to deal with someone because they, they do have that superiority complex and they say, well, this colleague of mine is incapable. I don't want to deal with him. You deal with him. And if you're the one who's always going in between, you're actually enabling this, uh, this toxic environment, this bullying attitude to continue. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to keep in mind. You don't want to be part of the problem and you don't want to be an enabler. Even if you aren't actively participating, you don't want to be somebody who's standing around and letting it happen around you. Yeah. And one other big thing about workplace relationships. And we, we've talked about this just a, a little bit throughout the episode, mostly in terms of setting boundaries. But you you are your own best advocate. If, if you want something out of your job, if you want to learn more, if you want to seek better opportunities at your company, you will do the best job for yourself in terms of advocating. And a lot of people are just scared to advocate for themselves, regardless of whether there's a bully involved, 
but maybe they're just not used to speaking up and talking about themselves and marketing themselves in such a way that is going to help. Now, I'm not a big personal marketer. I, I hate talking about myself. And that has probably held me back in certain circumstances, because if I had done a better job of explaining, making the case for myself being willing to stand up for myself sometimes, I think there are certain situations where I could have been better off. Um, of course, I'm not complaining. Everything worked out for me fine. But it's still something that I think about to this day is what other ways can I make the case for myself and for my success and for my my long-term viability in whatever it is that I'm doing. And, you know, some people think about this more than others because they're willing to put themselves out there and expose themselves to the criticism that might come from uh, advocating for yourself. I have that issue too. I, I really do. I have the same kind of issue where it's hard for me to get out there and be like, hey, look at me. I'm awesome. You don't have to be arrogant about it, but uh, they talk about how we all have personal brands now in today's world, whether we're an entrepreneur or whether we're working for the man. We all have our personal brands and we do need to be ready to get out there and advocate for ourselves and kind of find that line. So now you're you're ready, you're raring to go. What are some things that you can do now to get started? Well, I think one of the first things that we can do, especially if you're in a toxic workplace environment with your coworkers or your supervisors, is find out what the rules in your company are. Um, and if there are any policies on bullying or workplace intimidation, there are so many policies. You work for a big company, they send you a handbook or they give you a handbook and there are so many policies. Of course, you don't read the whole thing or even remember the whole thing if you did read the whole thing. Uh, so it's important to refer back to any guidelines that the company has provided. Maybe they have a bullying policy, maybe they don't, but first look for that policy. And another thing you can do is look online. A lot of companies now have kind of a benefit section, a for the employee section on their website that you can log into and then see the company, the, the company policies. And that's a little search that's searchable. So it's, sometimes it's a little bit easier than using the hard copy version they gave you. Another thing is to speak to HR or speak to someone else at the company. Talk to your HR representative about what's going on and what can be done about it. And in some cases, they might even just do a company-wide training on appropriate behavior in the workplace. And that can be very helpful. But yeah, make sure you speak to somebody about it, especially in a confidential way. Uh, HR is a great place to go because there are certain rules surrounding that, certain confidentiality issues that you, that you can deal with. And so you can feel a little bit safer about approaching the situation. Yeah. Well, these comments so far that we were sharing here, there's a little bit of an assumption that we're talking about a larger business that would have an HR department that would have online policies. And that is the case for a lot of people throughout the country. But that might not be your situation. You may be working for a small company. Uh, you may be working for yourself and dealing with clients. Uh, you may be working for a nonprofit. And there are lots of situations where some of these 
tips the way we're describing them might not help specifically because you don't have all these resources within the company available to you. So it's important to look for someone else, whether it's in the company or outside of the company, who is going to uh, support you and understand what you're going through. And if it's within the company, there, you know, perhaps it's another supervisor who doesn't, uh, who isn't directly in the situation. Perhaps it's the CEO. Perhaps it's the executive director. You've got to talk to somebody within the company, as long as it's not just a two-person company. Otherwise, if you can can't get any support from anybody within the company, you know, one of the things that I would suggest in a situation like this, if this toxic environment doesn't look like it's going away, you may have no better choice than to search for another job. That really is something that should be considered. You are better than the toxic relationship that you're being placed into. As long as you've addressed and you're doing everything that you can do about it, if there's nothing more you can do, if you've stopped enabling and the behavior still continues and there's no one else who can do anything about it, then you've got to move on. You have to find a way to get into a better situation. For sure, because this sort of toxic environment, it's not worth years of your life trying to deal with it. So definitely start looking for another job if it doesn't look like it's going to improve anytime soon. And kind of along those lines, we have a listener question. It is, my boss is a bully and talking to him doesn't feel like an option. What can I do to get it to stop? One of the first things is to go back to something we talked about earlier and is to see, well, how, how am I enabling this person to continue being a bully? Am I not standing up for myself? Am I allowing this, this bully to continue the behavior to other people? Are other people experiencing this or is it just me? I think we need to take a look and determine whether there are certain things that we are doing right now to allow that bullying behavior to continue. If you've tried standing up to this person and you've tried addressing the issue with human resources or other resources within the company and the situation isn't changing, well, I don't know. What else What else can you do at that point? Well, we did talk about leaving. Yeah. But yeah, one of the problems is if talking with your boss doesn't feel like an option and your boss is a bully, that is a definite red flag about where you're at and the environment that you're in. Uh, You can try going over your boss's head, like to HR, to your boss's boss and talking about it. But the bottom line is if you're in this sort of environment and nobody is willing to do anything about it... uh, you can remove yourself if you can. Um, obviously, there are certain times when you feel like your financial situation, your family situation means that you can't just leave and kind of feel like you have to deal with it for as long as you can until you get a job. But yeah, try and take the initiative to move forward uh, because you really don't want to be stuck in that situation. But yeah, if you can't talk to, if you feel like you can't talk to your boss about this situation, that's a very big red flag that maybe they're not the best boss in the world. Yeah, you can't control that so much. You can't control how other people act. Uh, You can only control how you react to the way other people act towards you. Uh, So that's something to keep in mind as well. It's very hard to change a person from who they are, especially if they see their attitude, which you may see as bullying, as something that has created success for them. So at this point in life, 
mm, changing somebody is probably not going to be a goal that you'll be able to reach. You just got to look out for yourself. And on that note, (laughs) thank you for joining us for adulting today. Remember to check out adulting.tv, leave us a comment, leave us a question, Uh, head over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review. Also, don't forget, we do have a Facebook community. We would love to hear about your stories with workplace bullying, with workplace situations, and what you have done. What would you do in a situation where your boss is a bully and you're not sure what to do? Or if you've been in that situation, tell us what you did do. We would love to hear your insights on this situation. Thank you for joining us for Adulting, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.